Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of Hemel Hempstead. We wish as we do once a week, we come out and we preach God's word. We declare the word of Almighty God and declare the way of salvation to lost men, boys, girls in this world. We come to declare God's word to you once again this afternoon. I want to preach some words that we find in the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament and the chapter 17 and the very context of these words are this the Apostle Paul is in uh, Greece in Mars Hill in Athens and uh, he's declaring the Word of God these days in which he lived men were worshipping many so-called gods or idols very superstitious were they? And I fear that we live in a very similar day when men worship anything and everything else the true and living God with whom we have to do. I want to declare these words to you. Hear the word of God. The Apostle Paul, he approaches these people here on Mars Hill, in the midst of Mars Hill, and he said, then Paul stood up in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. I want to declare this Lord Jesus to you today. The Apostle Paul in his day lived amongst men who worshipped idols. People even still do today. People worship the idol of self. People also seem to accept all kinds of religions and say, well, they're all on the same path. They're all on the same level. But God's word declares that there is one God. God says, I am the Lord, and there is none other. The God of heaven and earth is one. And God has made all things by Jesus Christ. The Bible says all things were made by him and for him. Jesus Christ is God. We're told in Hebrews chapter 1 that the Lord said unto the Lord Jesus, Thou, O God, thy throne is forever and forever. The Lord Jesus, maker of heaven and earth, became man. God is one and yet in three divine persons and is not to be represented by some image or some figure. 
which is why the Bible is so clear that we're not to make a false or a graven image and bow down and worship that image. For God is not to be represented by any, uh, I suppose, idol, cross, or anything like that. Because God is unseen and unknown. And yet, it pleased God to send his son that he should take on him human flesh, that he should live as a representative of his people that he would save. In order for God to save man, he had to become man. God, the son, has two natures. Essentially God. The Bible says God is spirit. And he is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And yet, as we read in the scriptures, God was manifest in the flesh. God came and appeared in the flesh for one singular purpose, for one reason. And that is to bear the sins of his people in his own flesh. And to live as what the Bible calls the last Adam. And here the Apostle Paul, having met the Lord Jesus Christ on that day, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus, when he was seeking to persecute Christians, and yet he had an amazing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ there on that road to Damascus, and the Lord struck him down and dealt with him. And the Lord changed that man's heart, and he became a preacher of the gospel, and is now in Athens, and is declaring the wonderful way of salvation to people in his day that had idols on every street corner. Now here we are in Hemel Hempstead, and as you could imagine, if there were idols on every street corner. And in Athens, that's what people were doing. They were bowing down to these images that couldn't speak, that couldn't tell you the future. Idols that were made by men. What a foolish thing to do, to make something out of, a, uh, out of a tree or a stone and to bow down to that thing and to worship it. Well, that was the foolishness of the day. And God tells us in his word what he thinks of those who would bow down to those idols, to those objects that they have made with hands. He says, can they tell us the future? Can they tell us anything? Can they do anything? And of course the answer is no. And Paul noticed here in Athens that there was an idol to an unknown God. In other words, they were so superstitious, they were trying to cover every base. My friends, let me suggest to you that we live in such a society today that men, when they're presented with all the religions of this world, they're superstitious. And they don't really bother to try to find out the truth of who the true and the living God is. There can only be one God. Of course, images, idols are made by men and it's a, a folly to bow down and to worship them. As I said, what does God think of those idols? And what does he think of the people? He says they're an abomination, we read there in Isaiah. And he who bows down to worship them is even worse. 
because those things cannot speak, they are made by you. And yet people worship things today, not just other religions, but they worship things that they've made. Either their houses, their homes, even their children, and they put these things above God, and they give their lives to those things. But they have nothing to do with the living God that keeps them, sustains them in this life, and the God of heaven with whom they have to do. And Paul says, I want to tell you about this unknown God. He says, first of all, verse 24, he made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven. My friends, God made everything that we can see. We were having a discussion here last week with a number of university students. And there were a good number of them out here talking. And amongst them was a believing young man who said and argued with his friends very appropriately and said, nothing cannot make all things. What was there before the dust? What was there before the light? Of course, there was nothing but God. The laws of science tell us that matter can neither be created or destroy. But God has made all things. The Bible begins with these words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It had to be, for matter cannot make itself, neither can a fire, neither can a big bang create order. We do not live in a world of chaos. We have seasons, we have bodies, that are ordered. We have seven major organs coming together and the eye needs the brain to see, the heart needs the lungs, and so on. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet you see, the fundamental problem with mankind ever since the fall is that he has suppressed the truth about God. Romans chapter 1 speaks about this how God has revealed to all men that he is by the things that he has created so that man is without excuse. And again, in Paul's day, men were making idols. The heart of man is an idol-making factory. And that is because we like to make gods uh, really that we like or that fitting tune with our kind of lifestyle. A God that will be accommodating to us. And I often hear people say something like this when uh, we read something from God's Word and we describe how God is holy, how God does not tolerate sin. They say something like this, well, my God is not like that. Well, my friend, that is your God. But that is not the true and the living God. God has revealed himself. And here in Acts chapter 17, Paul tells us about this God that made the heavens and the earth. And this God stepped into time, space, and history, my friends. God is love. And in his love he sent his son to die for a people, to live for them. That is the great condescension of the God of heaven, who made all things, created all things, 
yet seeing how men have rebelled against him in his love, the Bible says God sent his Son. The scriptures say when the fullness of time was come, my friends, God sent his Son, born of a woman, made under the law of God. Yes, that's right, he had to live under the law of God to be the perfect substitutionary one he would live that substitutionary life for sinners. That he would live a righteous life that none of us have lived. And then he would die in the place of all that would ever believe upon him. Isn't that marvelous love? Isn't that tremendous condescension, my friends? That God should send his son, the Lord Jesus, into a rebellious world that he knew would crucify and put his son to death. But you see, my friends, that was the predetermined purpose and counsel and foreknowledge of God that he should send his son, knowing that men should put him to death. But there upon the cross, the father would forsake his son as he would be the bearer of the sins of his people and suffer an unspeakable anguish that would cost them an eternal wrath at the hands of a holy God forever. But Christ bore that wrath in those few hours there upon the cross for his people. And Paul here tells the men in Athens there upon Mars Hill all about this God and preach to him, them, Jesus Christ, and then he says, But God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. How? In that he hath raised this Jesus from the dead. And therefore we read, Therefore God commands all men everywhere to repent. Now let me say first of all, friends, that God commands all men everywhere to repent not chiefly for salvation, but because they have sinned against the Holy God. This is why men should firstly repent, because they have sinned. I want to use a little illustration. Sometimes parents send their children to the bedroom because they've been naughty, and uh, well, they're not allowed out to go and play. But imagine a little boy coming to their parents saying, Mommy, Daddy, please, uh, may I go out and play? And uh, well, the parent asks them, are you sorry? And of course, the child really isn't. He simply just says sorry because he wants to go out and play. But he's not grieved that he's grieved his parents. Now, repentance really is that. It's been grieved in your heart that you've grieved God for your sins, for your lies, for you living in this world, never really thanking Him for making you and giving you life and living for yourself. You see, my friend, sin is an ugly thing. You think of how ugly a lie is. It's especially ugly when a lie is perpetrated against you. How do you feel 
when somebody lies about you, when somebody is unkind toward you, notably worse than when somebody else lies about somebody else. It's always more hurtful, isn't it, when it concerns us. But friends, God who has made all things, we have lied against him. We've even taken the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in vain, and that's a great sin. You'd never take your mother's name in vain, would you? Would you ever take your mother's name in vain? Well, why do people take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in vain? Well, it's a terrible thing. The very God of heaven and earth, who made all things and who keeps you and who sustains you, even right now. Murder is a terrible thing. As you know, murder begins in the heart, we're told. The Lord Jesus says, if we even hate somebody in our heart, those are the seeds of murder he speaks of. He says, that hatred, those seeds of bitterness, that's all wrong. And the human heart is so guilty of this. How often have we hated? How often have we despised others? And maybe even hated somebody because, well, they've done something good and we've not been acknowledged. Jealousy is a terrible thing. Well, look at the human heart. It's full of pride. It's full of jealousy, malice, hatred, bitterness. We have done these things and we've not just sinned against each other but against Almighty God, my friends. And we're all guilty. Adultery. It's a terrible thing. But you know, you can commit that sin in your heart. Jesus says, if a man so much as lusts after another woman, he's a married man and he lusts after another woman, well, he's committed adultery in the heart. How terrible it is when we think of adultery. Betrayal. The thoughts of the heart. You see, the heart is sinful. We're told the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and we even try to deny these things. But consider the love of God, my friends, in Jesus Christ who came to live and die for his people. But men are going to be judged for their sins. And this is why the Apostle Paul says here, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And he has given assurance of this, the apostle says. He has given assurance by raising his son from the dead. Sin, my friend, Jesus Christ died for the sins of his people. But Jesus Christ... Let me ask you the question, just stand by and listen. The world is responsible for its sin. People are killing each other because of their own hearts. You can't blame God for the troubles in the world. Men are the reasons and are the reason for all the trouble in the world. Why do you need to keep keys in your pocket? It's because people have a bad heart. They'll steal from your house. Why are they murderers? Well, it's man's heart. There's wickedness all over the world. Don't try to blame God. For the problems of the world. If you'd like God to begin with judgment, where would you like him to begin, madam? 
He must begin with your lies, my lies, our hearts, the perpetrations we have committed against each other, and the denial that we have of God. Man is the reason for all the difficulties and the problems and the evils of the world. I think we've just seen it on display again. We have people trying to blame God for all the trouble in the world. And we're told here that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. One day every matter will be settled. Everything that is hidden now will be revealed in that day. And the only way, my friends, peace with God is that way that he has made for his people in Jesus Christ. And all of his people will acknowledge that Jesus is, as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. He suffered for his sheep, his people in this world. And yet, we're told here that God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because there is a day in which he will judge every sin. He will judge the sins of all those who are not in Christ. Those who are in Christ, he has died for. And they will repent. And they will come to him in this life. And they will find that he is a wonderful saviour. We read in Hebrews of God's people, Christians, they have fled to Christ for refuge. And my friend, that is the only place of hope in the Saviour. This unknown God. Other religions don't have a provision for sin. Let me say to you, no other religion in all of this world has a provision for sin. There's no atonement for sin with Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism or Sikhism. There's no hope. There's no washing away of sin. They say to you, you can make yourself a good person, but you can't. Jesus Christ died for sinners, my friends. That's the only hope. Man, left to himself, is a lost sinner. He's got a bad heart and a bad record. And that record will be judged very soon. There's only hope for those that are in Jesus Christ. God has appointed a day in which he will judge this world in righteousness. And he has given assurance of this, we read, by raising his son from the dead. Well, he had to raise his son because his son had no sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But of course, because the Lord Jesus had no sin of his own. Death, we're told, and the grave could not hold him. It's all prophesied in the scriptures. David, a prophet, prophesied concerning the Lord Jesus that God the Father would not leave his Holy One, his dear Son, to the grave. Because he knew that he was without sin and would be without sin even when he came into this world. 
and my friend I'll remind you that this world what does it celebrate this time of year we speak of the incarnation we speak of Christ coming into the world what does this time of the year really mean to you we see Christmas trees Santa Claus but those things friends are meaningless absolutely meaningless we live in a world of glitter and glam but it's coming to an end people now they write Xmas want to put Christ out of Christmas I don't celebrate Christmas as it were as the world does but I thank God that he sent his son into the world to die for my sin and the sins of his people and they will all humbly repent and they will believe upon him and they will say thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift they will say that on that great day which I've been speaking about that day in which God will judge the world in righteousness by this man Jesus Christ and we will all say thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift the gift of his son the greatest gift in all the world is that of God's dear son he who made the world gave his life the Bible says as a ransom for many now I'd like to invite you as I close this afternoon to our weekly Sunday services we call it the Lord's Day we meet on the corner of Lower Road and Red Line Lane in Nash Mills and I would encourage you to come along this Sunday, the Lord's Day. Our meeting in the morning is at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. And I can assure you you'd receive a very warm welcome if you came along. Please do come along and hear the Word of God proclaimed, preached. And uh, I'd love for you to know the way of salvation. And we do pray that God will give new hearts to receive His Word and to know Jesus Christ the wonderful Saviour who gave his life, the Bible says, as a ransom for many. Seek the Lord, friend. The Lord is a very gracious God. He forgives sinners. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I urge you, friend, seek the Lord while he may be found. Thank you for listening, and I bid you a good day. But give your soul no rest till you come to that place of repentance toward God. And I pray God will give you faith in his Son. Thank you for listening.